0: Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking
1: from the Heart.
0: Welcome back to episode number 55 of Speaking from the Heart. Today, we'll have David Speck joining us. He's a veteran of the first Gulf War, and he has led many organizations of various types and sizes. And for the bulk of his career, David's been the president of Spec Newspapers Incorporated, which is a media and marketing company in Louisiana. In 2018, David and his wife Tina embarked on a health journey in which they lost combined 180 pounds. This journey led to what David called his impact passion, which is health coaching. And since then, he opened his business, Spect Health Coaching, which has directly impacted hundreds, while indirectly Impacting thousands of people who seek a solution for their health and weight loss challenges. He has launched multiple podcasts, spoken before numerous crowds of business leaders, and written a leadership blog at davidaspec.com for more than 10 years. And our conversation really focuses on not only the things that he has achieved, not only throughout the digital transfer of so many different things that have happened in the media industry, but Reflecting on the fact that no matter where you are at in your life, no matter what kinds of things that might occur, you always have the opportunity to navigate through them and can start at any place at any time. And I think that's what makes David's story so inspiring for many people that will listen. But with that, let's go to the episode. All right, we're here with David Specht. David, thanks for sharing your heart with us today.
1: Oh, man, Josh, thank you for having me on. I mean, I'm super pumped about being on the show today.
0: I am, too. And I want to thank you, too. And I want to thank the Buzzsprout community for connecting us.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: I, I have absolutely enjoyed listening to people's comments on there and getting to learn so much about podcasting through this experience that I've been undergoing. So thank you for... Having this connection, I feel like we have a lot we could talk about today. Oh, yeah. It's
1: going to be hard just funneling it into the little bit of time we have together, for sure.
0: Absolutely. So, David, I already let the audience know about your impressive background, because it definitely is.
1: And really,
0: my first question is about how you got yourself into the military, because I saw that you are a veteran of the first Gulf War, which... I always say to my veterans, thank you for your service. It's really appreciative. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you got started with that experience and essentially what led you into being in the military. Wow.
1: So if I were to characterize it in two words, it would be called gross immaturity. (laughs) (laughs) I know about that very well. (laughs) Yeah. So just to give you an idea. I graduated high school in 1987 in Largo, Florida. There's a whole story behind there. We can talk about it offline. Anyway. And I
0: want to give you a perspective that 1987 is when I was born. So yeah. just so, so you're there aware. You, there you go.
1: So in 1987, I graduate in June. I go to St. Petersburg junior college that fall. And when I say I went there, I, that means I was on campus. <laughs> okay. I had a job selling athletic shoes at a place called Sports Unlimited, and I realized that college wasn't for me. All the people I'd said goodbye to three months earlier, I'm saying hello to here on this campus, all the guys and girls that didn't go off to college, all of us homebodies, if you will, and I just, I was very immature. I didn't attend class. There's a lot of responsibility put on you as a freshman, right? You're supposed to go to class, but yet classes happen at different times. And quite frankly, I was just very immature and didn't go to class. And I knew that I was going to flunk out of my freshman year of college. And I knew that my parents would probably kill me. So that is when a buddy of mine who was still in high school said, man, I'm on delayed enlistment. I'm joining the U.S. Air Force. It's going to be amazing. And to backtrack just a hair... I had taken the ASVab, which is the vocational aptitude battery test for all of the military, and I did so well on it I was just getting recruited left and right. Every recruiter was calling my house every night for a period of time, and so I knew I could get in so i went I found myself in an Air Force recruiter's office in the fall of nineteen eighty seven and they said, "You qualify for basically everything we have to offer. They give me this laundry list of things of Careers That I have absolutely no idea what any of them mean. And uh, next thing I know, I'm getting a physical, I'm signing on the dotted line. And February 19th of 1988, my happy butt went to Lackland Air Force Base, Texas for basic training. And so that's how I got there. Once I got there, I wish I could tell you that the story, oh, he did great. He ran up the ranks. No, I still made a bunch of knuckleheaded decisions during then. I was still very much the same immature guy. I just had major, major boundaries now. And those boundaries, when I'd hit up against them, they would knock me back into place. I tried to quit the night I got there. I tried to, (laughs) I made mistakes in tech school. I made mistakes. I made financial errors even my second year in that really could have screwed up my career, could have delayed my wedding. I mean, there was just all this mess going on, but something clicked that the boundaries and the responsibility that I had clicked. And right before the last batch of my mistakes, I get married in May of 1990. I deploy in the first Gulf War in August of 1990. So a lot of growing up took place in the year of 1990. And so to me, that was probably the thing that really started me on my leadership journey was this. I had made the mistakes. I had gotten my hand slapped. I had gotten pushed back into dead center, but I was still given the responsibility. I was working on multimillion dollar aircraft, fixing the navigation systems. I was in charge of people and having to lead a group of individuals. So all of those things came into play, but it didn't start. And maybe this is one of the lessons there is that you don't have to necessarily start right to end right. You can start completely the wrong reason and completely the wrong skill set, but you can develop those things to where they can actually catapult you forward as life goes on.
0: I had a recent guest that actually talked about that too. She is a doula and a doula is somebody that provides care for a partner or even the soon-to-be mother of individuals that are expecting. And it's funny you say that because she kind of fell into it herself without really having a guidebook or a plan, if you will, to get to point A to point B, and she was trying to figure that out. And I find that interesting that you had a similar experience, but in the military. Was there somebody in the military that you looked up to that really gave you the inspiration for the rest of your life? Was there a commanding officer or maybe a colleague that was serving alongside you that really helped you to focus and give you that maturity since you've been talking a lot about being immature until you got through that? Can you describe that person?
1: Yeah, I didn't even give you his name. His name is Willie Morrison. He was my direct supervisor when I was in the avionics shop at my duty station. During my last set of screw-ups that I would call the last set while I was in the military, he started saying, David, you're not going to make it through this thing if you don't smarten up. And he did more than take me under his wing. I was a single airman living in the dormitories. He was married. He and his wife would invite me over to their house. When I met my wife up in Maine, I know, long story there too, but we would hang out as couples together, okay? I mean, he really took me under his wing and believed in me and saw the potential in me beyond what the negative report said, right? He saw that I was a good guy with a good heart and that I wanted to do the right thing. I just made a lot of wrong decisions in the process. And he and another fellow by the name of Neil Kiefer, they were good friends, really kind of brought me into their fold. And I'm not going to say they kept me from doing anything, But they gave me enough structure in the relationship to where I wouldn't go venturing off and making these bad mistakes. Or they would at least ask the question, David, are you sure you want to do that? And so it's interesting. I want to bring this point out because I think it's hilarious now. Willie was the best man in my wedding. Okay. Oh, wow. So that tells you how close that relationship got. He is actually one of my health coaching clients and has lost 130 pounds in the year of 2022. So our roles have kind of switched. He was leading me, mentoring me, coaching me. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, cause it took 30 years, but 30 years later, here we are. And we became very close through the health journey and I have helped coach him. So there's this great deal of personal satisfaction on my part that I was able to, in some small way, repay him for what he did for me 30 plus years ago.
0: I love that because for me, I have met people maybe a long time ago, and because of the podcast, I've actually been able to bring them back on. I had a person that I knew 18 years ago, haven't talked to them. I was able to bring them on, and we had a really awesome conversation about that. Her name's Kim Herbine. Check out that episode if anybody's interested about how that conversation went. But David, you bring up a great point in that we can be the leader in a certain situation, but the walls can reverse in which that person might need our help and we need to be the leader too. So it's always about exchanging that power, that control because of maybe what our skill set is or maybe something that we're going through. And I can't tell you how many times I've been through that experience, especially mm-hmm. being a public servant myself. I want to get into your health coaching in a moment, but before you did that and really started that business, I noticed that you had done a lot of work in the communications field, more specifically with newspapers. And I've been really fascinated about that. I was a communications major when I went to school. I didn't actually act on that, although many of the skills that I learned really helped me get started with the business that I have now, along with even some of the things that I have accomplished. But tell me how you got to move from the military over to newspapers? Because I think that has to be a story in itself.
1: Well, long and short is that my family has been in the newspaper business since the early 60s. And I'm a third generation of that, although it's an odd scenario because my dad was actually the first generation. He brought his father and his brother in the mid-70s. And so I was the one coming in the 90s. But what I had learned was, The base that I was stationed at was getting ready to close. And this Southern boy didn't like being in the cold in the first place. (laughs) And the next base that they were talking about sending us to was going to be in Michigan. I knew I wasn't going to be a lifer in the military. I knew that going in. I knew that the entire time I was there. And then come to find out shortly after I had left for my military service, my dad had to go essentially rescue a newspaper that he owned in Kentucky and they moved. And I had this sense of abandonment, like that I abandoned the family when the family needed me. So I had all of these playing together. And so I was just like, when I get out, I'm getting in the family business, I'm going to do the thing, et cetera. And they started me in advertising sales, which was weird. But again, at the end of the day, I see why, I see how everything is played together and work together for who I am today. I started off in advertising sales at a newspaper we owned but not a town that we ever lived in in the panhandle of Florida. And so I kind of cut my chops there, started learning some of the things there. Really started learning graphic design. That that was really my gateway drug because they had Macintosh computers there, the little square ones with the black and white screens and a mouse and how do you do this and oh this is so cool. And I learned how to do basic graphic design and then I started learning production. And I would talk to my dad on the phone and he's like, son, look, you need to know if you're ever going to run a newspaper, you need to know how to do everything in there. You don't want anyone to hold anything over your head or hold your production or hold your sales or hold anything. You've got to be able to. And so I really made it my desire, my job to learn how to do everything. And not everybody liked it. The owner's son sitting there talking to an editor about how to write a headliner. Coming up with ideas, it was quite the weird balance because there was the silver spoon syndrome where they thought I was there with a the silver spoon, but yet I knew on my side, my dad still was constantly telling the publisher there, hey, if my son's not cutting it, fire him. You know, <laughs> <So> <laughs> I was just like, you don't get me. I don't get you, but we got to do this thing together. And slowly but surely over time, I transferred from the newspaper in the peninsula Florida to Minden, Louisiana, which is where I was born and grew up. Wow up until about high school age. And so I came to work at that newspaper, eventually publishing it. We eventually bought a newspaper in a neighboring community. And that was really where I learned so much about leadership. I I learned journalism, I wrote my first sports story and I handed it to my father who was at the paper at the time. And he said, where'd you learn how to write this? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you did the inverted pyramid. You did the who, what, when, where, why in the lead, all the things that I said, I said, I read what people write and I write what I've seen before. And he's like, cool. And so I became sports editor, then I became editor, then I became publisher. So I learned all sides of the house in the newspaper. And then the whole world started changing. The internet came on, websites became a thing. I learned how to design websites because the necessity of it. I'm an early adopter when it comes to technology. If there's something I can figure out how to make benefit what I do, I'm going to lean in and at least explore it. And so all of that played into, and I made a lot of mistakes. Look guys, let's be honest. I'm telling you the cliff notes, the 30,000 foot view, the roses and the wonderful pictures, of the sunset. It was a crap show most of the time. Okay. <laughs> you don't learn on the mountaintop. You learn in the valley, right? When everything's going wrong and the whole system crashes, or you don't hit those numbers, or you have to make a tough employment decision about somebody. So all of those things came into play and that was really my training ground. And then my dad died in 2011 and all of a sudden I went from the responsibility of one newspaper, and one staff to an entire company, which was contracting by the way, thanks to Facebook and the internet. Yeah. You know, that's a whole other podcast we could do about how newspapers are fighting through contraction. Yep. But in that moment I said, oh, I have the lives and the families of all of these team members On my shoulders i've got to become a better leader and so that's when i started leaning into personal development and leadership development i started reading john maxwell the very first leadership business book i read was good to great checked it out from the local library and i had to keep it for an extra two weeks because i'm such a slow reader at times but it was one of those things okay it started feeding me and i started learning skills and i started implementing them and I would get pushback, but I would push through and I have a, what I consider project ADD. I got a hundred ideas a day and maybe one of them is good and I got to figure out which one. So all of that has led me to who I am today. And I still own the newspapers. You mentioned the health coaching. Health coaching is one of about 18 facets of who David is, but they all come into play and they all kind of help one another. The skill sets I learned as a health coach help me in individual personal development with my team members. And. What I learned in journalism helps me understand other people's perspectives. And so they all really have fed each other through the years.
0: I was thinking about that as you were talking about the people that you interacted with while at the newspaper that your dad essentially helped continue on because you were talking about the fact that, yeah, it's about making those personal connections. It's about being able to help people understand what's happening in the world, but also helping that staff to coach them through what are the things that they should be considering. And I feel that we all have similar natures and that some people don't have those best role models to really provide that opportunity, which is why there's always somebody that is helping you out and trying to get you there. Because let's face it, anybody can go on Facebook and start to create a page and say, I'm a coach. And they don't really (laughs) have that background or they don't have that story to really go along with it as to why they qualify as being a coach. And I have had a lot of that, especially starting out, but I have overcome that to realize that there's always a authentic connection to go alongside of it to help us understand why the world functions the way it does, which, as you were saying that, do you feel that the military... Career that you had alongside the newspapers that you still continue to do, not probably at the same scale, but do you feel that both of those things really have helped you with starting your health coaching business? Because it sounds to me that there is so much overlap, like you mentioned, but more importantly, I feel like that really helps identify who you are, David, because of the leadership style along with the communication style that you have. Do you feel like those? two things prepared you for being a coach yourself?
1: I believe so. I've heard multiple people say it. I think probably the last person I heard use this phrase was Ed Milette. And he said, life doesn't happen to me. It happens for me. And everything that happens in your life, whether good or bad, leads you to the point of who you are now and how you are now. One of the things that always sticks in the back of my mind for my military leadership training was praise in public and criticize in private. And so I, I wish I could say I always adhered to that, but it was always back there, and when I would not adhere to that, that phrase would just scream at me from the back of my mind. So there's that. We do a lot of that in our health coaching business. If somebody is on a journey, we have an online community, and we celebrate people for their wins, but if they're struggling, we don't sit there and put, "Hey, everybody, pray for Bob, Bob can't keep the donuts out of his mouth. That's not what we do. So there's that. Number two, and I think this is a really. Huge thing. As a journalist, you have to become an active listener because Mm. even if you're recording a conversation where you're pulling quotes, you're actively listening for where in the conversation those quotes are that will fit into the overall narrative that's building through the conversation. And so, one of the things I have to do as a health coach, a business coach, a life coach, whatever you want to call it, is really listen for where the heart of that person's issue is. I believe that a lot of times you hear health coach, you think diet coach, you think weight loss, and certainly that comes along with it. But to me, obesity in a lot of ways is simply outside evidence of an internal issue. And finding out the why, did you comfort yourself with food in bad times? Or do you come from an environment where food was the central thing. In Louisiana, we claim that we eat vegetables, but we usually bread them and fry them in oil. I mean, that's the way they do it. Tennessee, we take our alcoholism extremely seriously. There's a distillery on every corner. Jack Daniels is literally 45 minutes from my house. So, Yes. I'm hoping you you send me a bottle on the (laughs) way back after
0: doing this. Thank you for that. I'm thanking
1: you in advance. There you go. But again, I could go And be very surface and say, oh, he needs to lose 150 pounds or she needs to lose 40 pounds. But really and truly, until I hear from you, and I have to be an active listener, until I hear from you, number one, why are you wanting health coaching? Or why are you wanting business coaching? Or why are you wanting? Because a lot of times, like, well, my buddy did this or or, I don't feel good. Okay, let's figure out these whys. And that takes that skill set of active listening. That I have been able to translate from journalism to coaching. Now, here's the other thing. You have to be strong enough to tell people something that they may or may not want to hear in a loving way, obviously. As a journalist, I also was an editorial writer in my community and everybody knew it. I was from a community of 13,000 people. They knew that Dave Speck Jr. wrote the editorial criticizing the school board or whatever. So I had to develop a thick skin. Again, I'm not saying that the thick skin is hardness. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I don't have compassion. What I'm saying is when I know I have a solution and I want to help you reach your solution, your desired outcome, sometimes you may not be nice to me. And so I have to be convinced in my own convictions that what I'm doing is helping you and it's like, you can disagree, agree or disagree with me, but I'm telling you, this will work in this way. Or if I say, hey, Thanksgiving's coming up. What is your plan? And like, well, I don't have a plan. Well, you better get one because your plan, if you will fail, you will fall off the wagon in a great minute. Now, if you want to choose to fall off the wagon, be man enough, woman enough, go ahead and tell me, hey, I'm going to eat the stuff. Okay. And then we'll get back onto it on Black Friday. Fine. But again, it takes all those skill sets and knowing those things again, everything in my life, whether I'm willing to recognize it or not, has prepared me to be the person I am today for the season that I am in now.
0: That's a profound statement right there at the end because it is everything that we go through. And you even mentioned this earlier about being in the valleys and being able to navigate through those to then have the mountaintop successes because right there, Is where I'm practicing active listening. I was paying attention to you and making those connections because what you said is really a two way street that I feel that for coaches, we have to always weigh. First off, what's the value that we're giving our clients? But number two, what are we giving ourselves as value? What's our proposition that we are providing to ourselves? Because, yeah, I can go and charge that person nothing for wanting to help them. But is that really? giving num skin in the game knowing that I'm putting a lot of my time and resources into that and I think a lot of people don't understand that concept and they're always thinking about what's the monetary aspect how much money does this cost but no it's about the relationships that we form and I've been learning that quite a lot about business and understanding too that sometimes we need to have our own inherent worth which this leads into the question that I've been wanting to ask Obviously you weighed a lot, David, Mm -hmm. you shed a whole person off by taking out really 180 pounds between you and your wife, Tina, which Mm -hmm. I noticed was there really an internal issue happening with you that kind of caused that to happen?
1: Oh, I think any time in life when you're dealing with things. And we don't ever deal with just one thing, right? If you're a young parent, you're dealing with lack of sleep, you're dealing with all the stressors of being a parent, afraid you're going to screw up your kids somehow, that you're going to make the cardinal error that's going to turn them into a serial killer or something. And then you have the pressures of business. Oh, and then if you're in leadership at all, everything involves a meal, right? You have luncheons, you have dinner dates, you have banquets, you have all the things, and then To me, I was also trying to keep a degree of separation, so a lot of times I would not eat with staff members, and so the next thing you know is I'm going to the Burger King drive through and eating it on the way back to the office. My dad passing had a profound effect on me as well. That stressor caused me to eat and other things. When I was in the Air Force, I got out of the Air Force, I was 205 pounds. I was 240 within six weeks. Wow. It was just the free-for-all, right? Plus there was not the activity, the motion, the moving, climbing in and out of an aircraft to fix it and all of the things. By the time I decided to go on the health journey in 2018, I was 325 pounds and I was in great denial, meaning I would make jokes like I'm fat and happy. I'm married. Who do I got to impress? those kind of things. What do you mean corn's not a vegetable? Those types of things. My wife came home one day. Now, you have to understand, I'm really kind of compressing this, but she was the one that was the early adopter on the health things. Pink drink, shakes, whatever, the supplements. She would try everything that came down the pike. Well, we watched some friends of ours lose a considerable amount of weight, some friends that we had been out of contact with for years. And she goes, I want to do what they're doing. And I'm like, no, you don't. You're going to quit it just like you quit everything else. Real supportive husband I was. <laughs> and no, she's like, look, my dad just had a health scare. He's had his third open heart surgery. I inherited a lot of his genes. I've got diabetes. I've got to do something. And I'm like, the only way you're going to do something is if I hold you accountable. Mm. Yeah, this is me. And understand, this is me speaking, but internally, I'm scared to death, okay? we guys, we're really good at hiding our internal fears and projecting ourselves as I'm doing this for you. Guilty as charged. (laughs) And so I told her, I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. It's twofold. Number one, I will go on the program you're going on for 30 days. We'll do it together just to hold you accountable, to make sure you stick with something for 30 days. Number two, whatever you put in front of me, I'll eat. No questions asked. Because in my brain, I'm like, okay, even if I hate it, if I get enough Coke Zero, I can swallow it and survive for a little bit. Again, probably the dumbest and smartest thing I ever said in my life. We started a program that our friends were coaching. I lost 16 pounds week one, which is unheard of. But Mm -hmm. I had a lot of water weight to lose. I can dive into the physiology of it all, but we're doing this thing and I'm making progress. And the traction, I believe, in that, is what encouraged me to keep going. They always say, find your why. If you have the right why, you can do anything. I didn't have a why at that point because I didn't know what was possible. But when I started losing the weight, because my initial goal was because I had heard a doctor tell me one time, David, if you could get to 250 pounds, you'll be okay. I was on everything from pre-diabetic medicines to blood pressure medicines to anti-inflammatories. I had the day of the week pill bottle and I was 49. About a month into it, when we hit that 30 days and it's time to reorder the stuff again, again, it's not about the stuff. It's about all the coaching and the communities and all the things that support the stuff. When it was time to order again, I was like, babe, we're going to keep on this. She had lost some weight and she had set her goal. I don't even remember. Cause you know, better than to ask a lady what her weight is or her weight goal is. Or her age. Yeah, Or her age. Yes. And so I said, here's what I want to do. I said, I want to hit 250 pounds by the time I'm 50. Very doable, 70 pounds. Okay, I can do that. So we're rocking along. I hit 250 by Labor Day. Started in April, hit it by Labor Day. I'm like, okay, what do I do now? We look at the thing that no human being who's trying to lose weight should ever, ever, ever look at the BMI chart. I looked at my BMI, and my BMI for a six foot five guy is 210 pounds. 210. I'm like, oh my gosh. I said, well, I'm going to stay on this until Tina reaches her goal. So let's see it. I hit 210 in November. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Of the same year. Again, low glycemic, you have to understand it's a fat burn, weight loss. But here's the thing. I'm learning. I'm in classes every week, learning habits of health. I'm supported by a community. I have a coach teaching me and holding me accountable. By this point, Tina and I are becoming coaches because we see the value. We want to pay it forward. And there is an intrinsic accountability to being a coach because people are looking to you. So I needed that. I'm a food addict. I am a food addict to this day, okay? Just because I'm 215 now, which is where I settled in at, doesn't mean I don't have food addiction. It just means I manage my food addiction very, very well. And if things get out of kilter, I can put the brakes on or I can keep myself out of the environments. And I tell all this for the listener, to understand that my issues and your issues don't have to be the same to achieve the same results. Once I started losing weight, I started seeing what was possible. And what was possible for me is then getting back, and again, it sounds like I got dad issues, but going back to my father, my father was a great active grandfather to my boys. And so I had, at the time when I started my health journey, my son had been married, and we knew that a grandbaby was going to be on the way eventually. And so I'm like, I want to be the grandfather that's playing on the floor not the grandfather that's sitting in the recliner. Mm-hmm. And so that became a motivational factor for me. And then when they got pregnant and I'm at my go away and I'm like, here we go. And so I've got my grandson will be four this year and we do a lot of stuff together that I never could have done at 325 pounds. So the idea of not only losing the weight, but creating that life where I can take the skill sets that we talked about so far, I can take the results. Like you said, all you have to do is Facebook stalk me and you see what I've done. No pat on days back, but that what we do works. And, and then you see me active and enjoying that life with family, with things. It, it all just kind of comes together. Now, have there been troubles? Yeah. Is there struggles? Yeah. And not just in health, everywhere. I mean, anybody who's in the coaching business knows that back half of 2022 and most of 2023 has been a struggle because coaching, while vital, is considered a luxury to most people. They don't want to invest the money in it. So again, we're not talking about some perfect life that Dave and his wife live or even Josh. We don't live this perfect life. We just know that because of the road we've traveled, There's so much more ahead of us, that we haven't lived our best behind us, but that our best is still ahead of us. And so we want to lean in and continue to be better versions of who we are. And that's all we really want anybody to be, is be the very best version of themselves, whatever they see that best version to be.
0: I'm finding that we need to have our best voice out there too, whether that is the voice that we use to communicate or the nonverbal voice, which we have through our actions. Yep. David, we're at the end of our time, but I want to give you the last few minutes to share your business. How can people reach out to you, contact you, and anything else that you want to share, I'll give you the last few minutes.
1: All right. Well, easiest thing to do is go to spechealth.com. You can see the story of our health journey there. You can see what it is we coach. I'm, I'm an author. I'm showing you the copy of my book, but I know the listener can't see it because it is an audio podcast. But Old Dogs, New Tricks, version 2.0, available on Amazon, available on Barnes & Noble. If you'll go to davidaspect.com slash ODNT, that'll show you the book, what it's about. If you're really interested in hearing more about the story of my leadership journey, my business journey, and my health journey, I chronicle it all here. And you're like, why is it version 2.0? Because the version 1.0 of everything sucks, right? If you ever (laughs) get a 1.0 of a computer program or 1.0 of an app, It sucks. And the version 1.0 of this that I wrote in 2015 is a terrible book. I pulled it from shelves. It was so bad because I wrote it for the wrong reasons. This incorporates a lot of what I've learned, especially through COVID, of how we've had to pivot. If you find yourself in a world that seems to have changed around you and you don't necessarily know how to navigate it or lead others in that world, Old Dogs, New Tricks version 2.0 will give you that framework. Follow me on social, David Aspect, because if you follow David Spect, it's some guy called the Farm Whisperer. And I don't know what he does, but so David Aspect. And my podcast is called Keep This in Mind. It's available on all the platforms. And really and truly, I'm on TikTok. I do videos every day, Monday through Friday. I do a long form and a short form video. You can find it on TikTok and all the Reels apps. But really, I'm just trying to share what I've learned and a few insights. And and I'm transparent. So like when I have an issue or if I don't want to do it, like if I'm demotivated in the morning, I'll video myself talking about how demotivated I am. So it's probably pretty interesting to follow me. Again, those are all the platforms. David Aspect. you'll find me pretty much everywhere. And love for your listeners to check out the book. I think it could move the needle in their lives.
0: I'm going to go check out the book because I wrote down the title. I definitely am interested. And For those that are interested as well, I'll also put a link directly to the book if you want to go and check it out and purchase it yourself and also all the places in which you can access David. First off, David, I want to say I would love to have you back because I feel like we haven't dug into a lot of the different things yet. But from what you shared today, your military career, your communications career, your coaching career, it all ties together. And I think it just represents to us that we all have a variety of different experiences in our lives that we can share to others and to create some of that best version of ourselves. And I'm really incredibly proud of you for what you've done to not only help yourself, but to help other people. And as a fellow coach to another coach, keep doing what you're doing because you're doing amazing work where you are. And I know that you are continuing to build that presence. So David, thanks for being on Speaking From The Heart. And I look forward to our future conversations. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. David's remarkable story for me has been something that I've been pondering about even after the show. And even then, I have been really thinking about what I could do to even change my mindset as it comes to different people that I interact with in my life and even deal with the different boundaries that we have. Because... Even with some people, even trying to support you and even trying to do some of the very best things in our lives, I think that we often internalize, we often contemplate the fact that those are things that we have to overcome in our lives. The negativity, the boundaries, the issues, the things that we know have to be overcome because as we go into the valley, as even we talked about towards the very end of this episode... We have to sometimes get to the very top of the mountain and then sometimes go back into the valley again in order to learn a little bit more. And I think that's really the remarkable part of what David's story has been about is that although he had some great influences in the military, he then had to go back and have to deal with some of the most difficult people in his entire life in order to try to make something for himself especially in the newspaper industry. And even though I've had some guests already on this show that have talked about their communications journey and how they have met some remarkable people, it's sometimes the not-so-remarkable people that we remember. And isn't that so true? I think of so many different people in my own life that should have been given no stage whatsoever, but yet every time that we try to give them that stage It's because we have some sort of negative thought. We have some sort of pattern that we're digesting that's creating that version of what we think is really the person that sucks the most and that really not only sucks the most, but sucks the life out of us. And I think that's really an important lesson is that we have to create some of those boundaries in our lives, not only to overcome the adversity that we often face, but to also block out some of that negativity that happens in the first place, too. We could have mistakes that create some of those opportunities, too, that help us to understand so much of what we have to learn in order to become not only those things that we want to be, but to also understand what everybody thinks doesn't necessarily mean that's what we should be thinking as well. It's really about understanding what that expectation is. The expectation sometimes is a moving target. And I know that even for myself, I've been through so many different types of conversations with people where that has been such a troubling aspect just to be able to move back and forth into the different types of positions and the roles and understanding that everything that we have is really important. The knowledge, the transfer of that knowledge, sharing what we know. But I think that sometimes we have to break that down into bite-sized pieces so that others can understand. The perfect case is that we have people, even clients that I work with specifically through the business, that if I teach them one type of skill, it doesn't mean that that same type of teaching is going to work for somebody else. If it happens to me, not for me, it often creates some of those things that we have to think about in our daily life. Because what happens to us, the things that we experience are unique to just us. And the things that don't happen to us, those things that are not for me, those are the things that often become the hardest lessons that we have to do. And I think that for even David's journey about obesity and overcoming some of that weight loss with his wife, I think that is something of a remarkable story in itself that that many people actually try to overcome. As a matter of fact, all those different stressors, all those different things that we have to balance when it comes to not only accountability within our own lives to make sure that we don't overeat or over-consume alcohol or over-consume other vices, have to then go into play with what we should be able to do, what we should be able to accomplish, what we need to do in order to be a fully functional individual. I think that we're too scared sometimes to actually create some of that best value in our lives. That makes me think of so many times of all the different types of people, all the different places where I've been, all the different cultures that I've experienced. And yet, even as I continue to grow and even learn, even through my own business and coaching others, I've realized that even with the things that I teach, even as I go through some of those things that I am experiencing, some of those best lessons are learned. Not only just through the experiences that we have, but also practice. Because David's book, Old Dog New Tricks 2.0, talks a little bit about that, which I happened to pick up a copy of even after this episode, in which I was able to really understand a lot more about why it's so important to just be able to have that level of accountability, that support, so that we're able to continue treating ourselves with respect, with courage, and the ability to understand that we sometimes have to overcome some of those worst challenges in our lives, in which we'll be able to get to the other side. And I think that's what is really important in David's story, in which, although you could have been in the industry of newspapers for so long, it still means that you have to get over all the different things that are still happening in our lives. And, Still learn things in which we can evolve. And that's a really important key here, is that we have to continue to evolve even as we reach those mountaintops, and then we enter ourselves back into the valley because we know that we can't always have those mountaintop moments. If we're able to create some of those best opportunities ourselves, we start to reduce that stress. The balance that we have in our lives, both the personal and professional, starts to occur, which I've talked about in numerous episodes, about the importance of doing that, and which I never had been able to do, even for myself. But sometimes that messaging needs to be repeated over and over and over again in order to create some of the best values, some of the best boundaries, some of the best laid out plans that we ever thought we could ever have. Trying to be something in which you're not is usually the most difficult thing that you could ever do for yourself. Trying to see what you really can be in which you're able to show who you are to the world often means defeating not just the imposter syndrome, another concept that we've talked about in earlier episodes, but it's about understanding what you are within yourself wanting to move to that next plateau that you might be facing. And yes, I say plateau because, let's face it, we all know that we're going to face that inevitable next plateau in our lives. But if we're able to say to ourselves that I have a better plan this time in which I'm going to address it, it's going to make such a big difference overall. It's going to make sure that you are not only accountable for the things in which you are able to do, But you're able to then create some of the best versions of who you are, what you can be, and what you can share. It really makes me think about something that has been on my mind for the longest time, and it's something that my therapist once shared with me. It's actually a poem, and the poem was written by Portia Nelson. It's called "The Autobiography in Five Chapters," and I like to read this as we close out because I think it's so important to understand that this poem is often the things that we go through. So here we go. An autobiography in five chapters by Portia Nelson. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I am in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I fall in. It's a habit, but my eyes are open. I know where I am. It's my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down a different street. Do you want to walk down a different street? Do you want to have some of the freedom that even David had? Do you want to have some of the things that even in this episode that we've talked about that you can accomplish in your own life? All you have to do is just say that I'm willing to break free of the chains that are holding you down or literally the holes that you've been walking into. And you can have some of that very freedom as well. Thanks for listening to episode number 55 of Speaking from the Heart. And I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.